Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Hey, everybody, that was Jeff Pitchell's Fat Cigar you were listening to. And that means it's time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. And not just any Not Just Blowing Smoke, it's our fourth anniversary show. Four years of doing this every freaking week. Oh, yeah. And it's been a long, fun ride. We're happy to do it. And um, if you are streaming us live on Facebook or YouTube or listening after the fact on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Google's iTunes, Amazon, wherever else you get the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't ever miss a thing. I'm Pastor Padrone. I'm here with all of my co-hosts this week. This is great. I've got Pat. I've got Nick. I've got Dave. And we have two very special guests this week. We have Jeremy Reeves, the master blender for Cornell and Deal. Yeah, baby. And the master. The warlock, Kaz Walters from La DC Distribution Group, who basically is the guy who sells Jeremy's stuff. Basically. People like me. That's make right. people That's buy right. James. <laughs> yeah. You don't have does, to make it. It's does, not a hard sell. Yeah, no, it is not. It's not a hard sell. It's, it's, not, like, it's, not, it's a not a hard sell at all. Because I, I just go in and I said, Dan, you're going to buy this. Dan, I did. Yes, yes, Mr. Warlock. Yes, I just sir. sent you two cases. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> I was like, hey, can I get a case? I'm like, you've got two on the way, buddy. <laughs> oh, 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 thank you, Kaz. Yeah, so, and um, we're actually going to start the show smoking this cigar here. If you Mm. don't recognize Mm. it, this is the Stillwell Star from uh, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. And this is the holiday 2022 edition of the cigar. And Stillwell Star was a cigar that was developed by Steve Saka and Jeremy Reeves. And um, it utilizes pipe tobacco in Mm -hmm. the filler, correct? That's correct. And uh, this particular thing, let's well, let's let me read this quote I got from uh, Mr. Saka. Uh, now, last year we had both Jeremy and Steve Saka on the show, um, and I love Steve, but Jeremy was not able to talk much <laughs> on that episode, and so here we're doing a Still All Star again. But we're going to get Jeremy's take on it this time, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. But um, <clears throat> regarding specifically the holiday blend, um, Steve said a tradition in pipe culture is for carvers to craft one off pipe designs and for blenders to create special mixtures to smoke and celebrate the holidays. In honor of this practice, it's always been my intention to follow suit within our Stillwell Star line of Puros. This year's release is a delightful aromatic puro with a carefully balanced selection of mild Cavendish Burley and choice Virginia tobaccos incorporated. Unlike the aromatic number one in the core line, this holiday release, again, the uh, 2022, does not feature a Dulce Cabeza. 
cabeza. Which is a real fancy head. talk for sweet cap. It's not fancy Why he talk. Can't it's talk about Spanish. Sweet cap. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you talking about, Danny? Call it what it is. It's a sweetened cap. It's a sweetened cap. If you talk to a Drew Estate guy, yeah, sweet cap. Double sweet, sweet cap. cap. Yeah. Oh. No, uh, Dulce Cabeza. Um, <laughs> however, the tobaccos themselves are wonderful, wonderfully Bingo. sweet to the tongue. The flavor and aroma are nothing short of exceptional. Personally, I find the smoking experience to be like sipping a cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows fireside. I mean, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get the sweetness where it's like that, a light sweetness, almost mm. like you would be, you know, eating marshmallows by the fire. Yeah. You know, drinking. Yeah, there's definitely like an illusion of marshmallows and a... Uh... Illusion. Illusion. Illusion, not illusion. Not mm. like and illusion. It alludes. No. So there's no, no bull in this. No. Nor, nor is any of this from Spain, am I like aware. <laughs> and illusion is in Spain. Anyway. So moving on. There's uh, no Dolce. There there is a slight there is a slight is there chocolatey a note cap? there. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I detect. There yeah. is a slight like chocolatey note there. It's a nice but but definitely there. the marshmallow to me is like more up front and yeah. even more than flavor like marshmallow it's easy to sometimes like confuse flavor with texture sometimes because mm. like taste is subjective and definitely a mental thing mm-hmm. but like there's a certain like really rich creaminess that is also reminiscent to cocoa mm-hmm. that goes really well with the flavor oh yeah true and this cigar features a uh, ecuadorian habano wrapper mexican san andreas uh binder and then a mix of tobacco. You want to talk about the tobaccos that are in the filler? Sure. So it's a, a blend of uh, black Cavendish, white burley, just a touch of dark burley, and some red Virginia. Um, and then a, uh, a series of sort of flavor enhancements that we've, that we've used. Flavor enhancements. Mm-hmm. Crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh cracked. New little it's fresh cracked. Freshly, fresh crack. cla- fresh freshly cracked flavor enhancements. For you know, your palate. He has pleasure. a little pepper grinder he uses when he blends. <laughs> Ooh. All right. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Some sasson. So, so the. Easy. I get where folks are coming from with the uh, the marshmallow, but I actually am picking up uh, a maple. Ooh. That's interesting. Is that because that's what you actually used? (laughs) (laughs) Can't say. Magic. Just flavor enhancements. Just flavor enhancements. Yeah, no toppings or casings here. Just flavor enhancements. Notes of maple. Mm. This, I don't know. This gives me like a like a like a coconut flavored marshmallow. Mm. Mm. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. Coconut flavored marshmallow. Mm. Cream. Cream like coconut. um, what it's am I? Really creamy. Mm, for it is for sure it is. Like I could see like <sighs> if you take the almonds out of like an almond joy, it's like a mounds with milk chocolate. Like there is that sort of. Well, that's coconut. no fun. Obviously. I mean, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you don't. don't. Well, you're no, no, we won't go there. <laughs> coward. Uh, come on, Danny. Calling me a coward. Ooh, that's damn. that's bold. Cow of the ward. I mean, prove me wrong. I will. The silence. 
months in my own time. Oh. <laughs> I'm expecting that's, you to just what... leap across the table right now. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here! The $120 keyboard. While I'm sure that I would be uh, like embarrassed and in the moment it would be horrifying to see the pastor flying towards me, I don't know if anything would make me feel more respect for him than I already do than him doing that. Oh, <laughs> that would be That's not a dare, Dan. I, I don't think, know what don't, it is. If if respect at, your fellow man. If I came at you like that, I'd probably end up going out the window and really hurting myself. Oh, you'd so, both be going out the window. I, I am a nimble guy. His head would be out the window and he'd be sitting there all... I'm a pretty nimble guy. I think I could get away quickly enough. I'm not sure. I hope so. My God. That would be a sight to see right there. Mm -hmm. My God. So, (laughs) did Steve approach you with this idea for doing this cigar how, how did how did or did this... you approach him you no steve was steve's idea and in fact steve has been doing something similar to Stillwell, just for his own personal uh for a long time mm-hmm. he because he's been a pipe smoker uh just sort of like in in secret mm-hmm. prior to the the Stillwell star thing he started smoking a pipe while he was in the navy uh, wow. because uh pipes and pipe tobacco were more affordable than than the cost of a good cigar and uh so he had kind of started in in tobacco really with with pipe smoking and then transitioned to cigars when he could more easily afford it Mm. um but pipes had already really been you know a part of his his smoking routine Mm. um but when he got into manufacturing on the cigar side and traveling down to nicaragua uh he began taking down pipe tobaccos that he was fond of smoking mm-hmm. and having some of the rollers try different blends using some of his pipe tobacco in with long filler okay. cigar tobacco mm-hmm. so that he sprinkle, could sprinkle, sprinkle. exactly so that he could enjoy some of the tobaccos that he liked to smoke in a pipe in an environment where he didn't want to be seen smoking a pipe. He wanted to be seen smoking a cigar because he's Steve Saka. All right, let's stop right there. So what is the deal with the shame of the pipe smoker? It's not like you can't, it's not, if I'm not smoking a cigar, I'm not really smoking. I can know like, can I, what I've experienced is it is not on, it's not ubiquitous. I don't think in either side, but I do think it's on both sides. Like pipe smokers, like, there's a lot of pipe smokers who are exclusively pipe smokers and like there's a lot of cigar smokers who are exclusively cigar smokers right and these little like factions in these two sides don't get the other mm-hmm. and then you have plenty that do both mm-hmm. and i definitely go both ways like there there is a risk not in a bad way not denigrating anybody but there is a risk of alienating a decent amount of like a customer base like it almost like two sure. hardline cigar guys it almost like it's not correct, but it almost, in their mind, like lowers the credibility of you being a cigar guy. Sure. Well, I mean, he's he owns a cigar brand. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, you know, he's mm-hmm. not trying to smoke mm-hmm. some other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say too, you like know. even from talking to Saka, like he will only smoke his own stuff in mm-hmm. public. And if you give him something to try, like he won't even tell you he tried it, but he'll go home and have it. Like I've never. Right. I've never seen him, and from what everyone else has told me, and then just from talking to him, like, if he's in public, he has this big case of 
Dunbarton, and yep. that's all he's smoking. He's smoking. Since, yeah, his, so no, pipe tobacco is right. not Dunbarton. He's not I mean, smoking it. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he like you said, he owns DTT. Yeah. So I mean, it's not an re- unreasonable assumption for someone, and not just with Steve, for someone who works for a brand mm-hmm. or owns a brand, and they're seen in public not smoking something they produce. Right. There are some people who will make the unfair assumption that, oh well. He doesn't even prefer the stuff he's putting out. Right. Right. Yeah. And yet we all know that's baloney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Of course. We of all course. know it's baloney. I mean, but it, I, especially if you're a pipe smoker. I mean, you smoke everybody's stuff. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, one of the, it's been great collaborating with you on the, the, uh, Briary blends for Twin Smoke Shop. We have five different blends and, and, They've become a lot of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's not all that I smoke, and I don't. I don't feel bad, and I don't feel bad. You know, it's like Kurt having seven twenty four, and yeah, a lot of times you see him smoke seven twenty four, but it's not the only thing he smokes. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, and but so I get the logic. I don't want to be smoke in public something that I'm trying to build. Of course. You know, when you're trying to build your brand, you don't want to be smoking something else. And, he also does his <clears> own a cigar shop. I, which I, justifies yeah, I also that's correct he owns a of, brand right yeah. yeah and i also get you know you know he's now i think on the last show he made the exception for us but he's told in the past steve has told me he will not smoke a pipe on the show because he doesn't want it to hurt his brand mm. hmm. and now he did the last time we were on we did we mm-hmm. did um well he ins- he's uh, also smoked a black pipe frigate at- Mm-hmm. Right, and he smoked a pipe at PCA, but only because now that uh, now that it's out, yeah. yes, only because it's still cats out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and um, I can understand that. I mean, as a as a as head blender of C and D, like I really don't smoke anything else. Mm-hmm. I didn't before I worked at C and D either. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything I smoked was a C and D product, mm-hmm. um, but that's. We've got a very large line. Yeah, got a huge, and yes. huge line. We are always we're always trying to do something fresh, and I don't get a whole lot of time to to smoke just for fun, mm-hmm. to smoke just for pleasure, and so yeah, I I can honestly say like I'm not not smoking a lot of other pipe tobacco brands. There are some things that have been in my cellar for a long time, and there are mm-hmm. some things that I still seek out, but as a general rule. I'm smoking C and D, so I totally get where Steve is coming from. Rep, rep what you're doing. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Hmm. I just, you know, like I, I'm one of these. I and I know that I am. I'm one of these cigar smokers that enjoys pipes, or a pipe smoker that enjoys cigars. I don't really care what you say. For me, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's two different kinds of things it's it's like a you know if if cigars are bourbon you know and and uh um, pipes are wine mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like a glass of wine mm-hmm. sure. and you offer me bourbon and it goes you know that's not really what i'm up for and vice versa and it it's just two different experiences two different mm-hmm. kinds of tastes and flavors two different kinds of of um uh what's the word i want to use um 
Sometimes you feel like a nut, and sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would say sometimes around. I feel like a pipe, sometimes I don't. No, it's two totally different yeah. scratches for two totally different itches. Like Correct. Sometimes I feel like just a nice greasy burger, mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. I want like filet mignon or like something else, ice cream. Like, mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. want that, that's, the other's it, not going to satisfy right, that itch. There's right. room for both. Like, I smoke a pipe all the time, mm-hmm. and I smoke cigars all the time, and it's based on the occasion, what I'm craving. Yep. Like, that. that's the one misconception that I encounter a lot when I travel to shops and talk to my account's customers is they think it's like a team. Mm-hmm. You no. pick one or the other. I'm like, not only is that not true, mm-hmm. I personally find it impossible. Mm. Like, no, like there's not only is there room for both or can there be room for both? Mm -hmm. It, to me, is the fact that if you give both a shot, you're not going to want to choose one. Right. You're going to enjoy both thoroughly because they're two totally different experiences. Yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. And two different kinds of ritual Mm -hmm. that goes along with it. Absolutely. I always say that I love, I've smoked cigars in private all the time, Mm -hmm. but I find cigars a particularly uh, suited for a social environment. Yes. There are much more pipes are more of a solitary thing. Now I've smoked pipes in a group with people before, but those sort (laughs) of social interactions are usually more relaxed, more, intimate in a way like you're just Mm -hmm. hanging with friends around a fire or Mm -hmm. just in somebody's living room or their 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 patio whereas like if you're at the lounge here and stuff like it's a little bit louder it's a little bit more higher energy and that's a cigar environment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah at least to me yeah i concur so how did you and steve work out this particular blend for the uh, 2022 well, we had already done uh, the other the other blends that made up the core line of, mm-hmm. of Stillwell Star, and by this point, it pretty much Steve kind of knew that he wanted to do something in the aromatic family, right? Um, and he gave me a couple of keynotes that that he was interested in seeing how those would do, right? And so I just sent him samples as I had with all of these others, right? Like. I'm not working with him on putting together the cigar. He's not working with me on putting together the pipe tobacco. So did you send him pipe tobacco? Yes. Or did you send him a cigar with the pipe tobacco in it? I, I wouldn't have the way to do that because we, we don't have a cigar rolling okay. setup. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the whole way that this project worked, starting from Steve's practice, mm-hmm. bringing pipe tobacco down mm-hmm. to Nika and then having the rollers add a little bit of pipe tobacco to his cigars. So this was the same the same concept, just getting the tobacco so from us. Was it was it added as like, you know, like how they bunch of cigar? Like was it a whole leaf? Or were they like literally sprinkling stuff that was already? No, gone? it is it is pipe tobacco in the same forms that that we produce pipe tobacco in, added in small amounts to the filler. Oh wow! In a way that'll burn evenly, mm-hmm. and which is impressive. So this mm-hmm. is something I'm I'm not sure of. When Steve approaches you about a new blend, whether it's a holiday release or the original core line, uh, particularly with like the English and the the aromatic or the navy or this, does he come and say, 
I'm wanting an aromatic and you like work something that you think would be good for a cigar? Or does he say the general flavor profile or the types of, of cigar leaf that I'm going to use for this cigar are X and this is the aromatic flavor or the, the English flavor that I want to complement this. So there have been instances where he's like, I want to do something, uh, you know, fuller bodied. Or I want to do something that uh, has a particular mouthfeel. And I'm looking for things that will pair with that, but that can go a lot of different directions. Send me a bunch of things that you think would work with whatever whatever characteristic we're talking about. In this instance, what he what he asked was he knew he wanted something that was going to be aromatic. And he gave me kind of a, a gist of like some things that he thought would be good. And then I put together a series of samples and sent those to him. Mm -hmm. And then he rolled, like had cigars made using a blend um, that he was kind of working out. Like, okay, this needs to come up. This needs to come down. Um, But yeah, basically the pipe tobacco, he went through and found things that worked Mm -hmm. and then came back to me and was like, okay, I think this works, but it needs this tweak. Mm -hmm. And so I would send him. So like with this, he'd go like, I'm making a holiday blend. So like, I I need something with this type of body and strength of flavor Mm -hmm. and like flavors that are reminiscent to like a holiday sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So how long i mean that doesn't sound too dissimilar to the process with making the the 724 blends like there's a lot of back and forth with samples and making adjustments Correct. until there's something that the guys here at 720 like they're happy with mm-hmm. um how long on average does that process like take for a still well for for the well for this holiday i mm-hmm. uh, think it was all told about eight months mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. from the time that we started discussion to the time that we had something it was in production and it was released that's like remarkably like much shorter of a time period i think than any of us or most people would expect expect yeah no because having to send it back and forth between nicaragua and like not only balance the pipe tobacco component but balance the uh, the cigar blend and cigar make them combined. come together in harmony manufacture mm-hmm. enough for a release uh, how you want them. to put it in the cigar like yeah. where do you you know, and yeah. like that's why I mentioned burning rate. Like if you're taking a ribbon cut tobacco that burns at, at on average a faster rate because it's smaller surface area and, and such as that, and then you got this whole leaf tobacco around it to get an even burn. Like not just the flavors have to be in balance, but the construction too. Mm-hmm. For sure. What are y'all thinking of the cigar right now? My mind is just blown about how well it smokes knowing how it was made mm. you know oh yeah that's Absolutely. just crazy so there's i i believe about two grams of pipe tobacco in the filler but the total weight of the cigar is like 18 grams mm-hmm. Ooh. so yeah and the average pipe bowl is about three grams of tobacco right uh yes so you're getting like a small bowl of pipe tobacco in every cigar mm-hmm. that's nice. that puts it in perspective when you when you hear two grams you're like oh that's a really small amount but if you say that you know a, a, a small bowl of pipe tobacco is about that that, that helps put mm-hmm. put a picture to it which yep. is kind of cool absolutely but really i thought laying, it was smaller by the way i was thinking about it laying those leaves and nestling 
parts of the blend in mm. in and amid so that you get a consistent burn mm -hmm. oh yeah as as the leaf is burning it's like you know these, these ribbon cut tobaccos are added and kind of like gently rolled in mm. it takes a long time that's that's an art form that's right? insane yeah. not yeah. only consistent burn but you're never so far and i've, I've smoked plenty of steel wells and have never experienced this which i think speaks to the uh, brilliance of the blend but also the construction not only is it a consistent burn but there are never there's never a spot in these cigars that i'm not tasting pipe tobacco but mm -hmm. i'm also not tasting there's no like dead spots for either mm, profile yeah, yeah that's true so it's consistent in the flavor and the burn mm -hmm. yeah the way it, that's exact the way it smokes is like everything was a long leaf yes mm -hmm. i yes. never would have guessed that there was ribbon cut tobacco in this at all mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. I say it speaks to Hoya because that's that's the factory yes, that's, that's exactly manufacturing. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. in my opinion. I think it's the best factory. Period. Consistency wise. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it definitely shows with something like this. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I agree. Now we're all pairing this with the the seven twenty four barrel select uh, Woodford Reserve. How are you guys thinking that this uh, bourbon goes with this particular cigar? Personally. I think it's a winner. I I think the yeah. sweetness in the Woodford is just totally bringing out those um, uh, sweeter, darker um, notes. Whether it's, you are picking up cocoa or maple, mm. I, I think it's you know the, the same kind of thing. Mm. But it really really enhances it. To the me. fruity fruity nature that I'm getting, while it's subtle from the the Woodford. Mm -hmm. And I know you've got two grams of, of pipe tobacco in here, so the amount of dark burly in that is even smaller. But it, to me, amps up those chocolate notes, not just from the aromatic, but things that I have smoked. I've smoked a good bit of like dark burly straight. I enjoy it. Mm. And I pick up more on the dark burly flavor profile itself with the bourbon. Mm. Interesting. Like that dark uh, unsweetened cocoa wine sort of thing. Like yes. it really brings it out. Yeah, the powerful uh, marshmallow sweetness that I got in the beginning, kind of toned down a little bit. That chocolate, almost that like that hot chocolate uh, kind of taste came up. So everything is really even, really balanced in there, mm. and it's just really smooth. You still get the the sweetness, but it's not as potent as it was in the beginning. But it's really like toned down. But it's for me, it's everything is just straight across the board everything's blending really nice together mm. it's really really tasty now kaz i saw you smoke your glass earlier mm -hmm. i just did mine mm -hmm. and what i got from doing that and then sipping the the woodford was like a dark cherry kind of sweet i was yes. just gonna uh -huh. i was just gonna say that i actually noticed that the woodford is bringing out a bit of a, a dark note mm -hmm. a dark fruit note in the cigar and that's mm. what I was referencing, like the wine, but I, I get what you're talking about with cherry. Mm -hmm. And I got a little bit of it before I smoked, but after smoking the, the glass itself, what it reminds me of specifically now that you mentioned cherry, mm -hmm. Luxardo cherries. Yes, that kind of a cherry. Yeah. Mm. Not like gonna, just a black cherry. If that's you're going to get specific, yeah. Luxardo cherry, yeah, that kind mm -hmm. of cherry. I can, I can get that. Oh, yeah. All day long. Taste, yeah. The and nose, too. It's really interesting how that how that happens. You get that on the nose, too, mm. big time. That's nice. Mm. It's very nice. Great success. It's great success. <laughs> Well, one of the interesting things that happened in the last uh, week was um, the Supreme Court 
Not Supreme Court. Not the Supreme. What? What? Federal court. court. The federal court. District court. Federal court or district court? Pat, federal Pat, district Pat, court. Help, oh, help okay. me out here. Right. Get, get specific. One, the, one thing. What, what the hell happened this week? <laughs> so <laughs> It was some really good news for the cigar community. Yeah, so the premium cigar, unfortunately I have to use premium cigar because it's not the premium tobacco, but premium cigars won their seven-year battle against the FDA. Um, it was in federal district court, so it wasn't a Supreme Court. If it was a Supreme Court case, that'd be huge, because then you're setting basically the standard for everything. But mm-hmm. no, it was just district court. Um, whenever there's any federal agency issues, it just it goes to district court and District of Columbia, always. So I'll, I'll kind of give a quick rendition of what happened, because we've talked about it previously on the show, and we kind of followed the, the whole thing. So... Obviously, the seven-year, law, um, not lawsuit, but challenge under the APA with the FDA with the deeming regulations. And then on August 9th, the um, regulations pertaining to premium cigars were vacated from Judge Mehta's opinion. Um, so basically, there's kind of a timeline of the FDA, of these lawsuits. There's been three losses, including this one, that the FDA had. So first, after the deeming rule, which the deeming rule basically under the... Tobacco Control Act, um, the FDA, because that's what the FDA's powers derive from to regulate tobacco. Back in 2016, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the Tobacco Control Act, um, the FDA used that to make new regulations for tobacco products, and they kind of just incorporated all cigars into it. So there were two options when the rules were announced for the common period. Option one was um, regulating all tobacco the same, and option two was having an exemption for premium cigars, and they had a specific standard for premium cigars, which I don't have it memorized. I can read it if people are interested, but we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. So comments came, and there were numerous things that were mentioned. One of them was that the use of premium cigars is different than other tobacco products and the fda essentially ignored that and didn't answer the comments or put any data out on how those usage patterns are differ and if that changes how they should be regulated so that's ultimately what bit them in the ass down the road so step one was court vacating the portion that required the health warning labels back in 2020 we mm-hmm. talked about that on the podcast um, the other one was just that there was a statutory pre-market scheme for the FDA approving um, things, and that actually got shot down as well because the um, FDA didn't look at any less burdensome methods of going through this. And then obviously what happened um, this past week here. So the big question in this specific case was whether different kinds of cigars may have the potential for varying effects on public health if the there are differences in their effects on youth initiation and the frequency of their use by youth and young adults. So back to what I said, the FDA just ignored comments on this. So the court held that the regulations were uh, pertain to premium cigars were arbitrary and capricious. So whenever you, like a citizen or a group under the um, Administrative Procedure Act brings an action against an agency, um, arbitrary and capricious is essentially, it, it all goes back to separation of powers. You have the legislative branch that grants power to the executive, which is who makes these agencies as a principal officer from the executive that runs these agencies. So in order for the agency to actually pass law, because they can't make laws, they have to be doing everything by the hand of the legislative because right. the executive enforces law, they don't make law. And then a judicial interprets law. So everything from the Tobacco Control Act 
everything has to be linked to that because that was the congressional intent of what the FDA is doing. So when you're arbitrary and capricious, that essentially means there's no reasonable nexus to what you're doing to wherever your powers derive from. So ignoring comments would be arbitrary and capricious because you're not even linking the chain here. So, and also the APA, like you have to have a proper comment period. So even if you don't go into the whole separation of powers, you have to do it the right way. And in this case, they didn't. So the burden was on the government to prove that since it was all being capricious, the battleground was really if the deeming rule should be vacated in its entirety or if it should be remanded without vacator, which means they remand it back to the FDA to fix the problems to then enforce the rule. So and in that case, the regulations for premium cigars would still be going on while they're fixing it. Mm. So there's only an exceptional circumstance where a remain with vacator is necessary, and that's if the government can prove that the seriousness of the rule's deficiencies were minor and that the disruptive consequences of vacating the rule would be too much. So the FDA's big arguments are obviously public health, and then a big thing that they had for the inconvenience was potential litigation over the recollection of user fees, which inevitably I think is probably going to happen. So... They had kind of a handful of arguments to pinpoint this down. Some of these are actually pretty interesting because I didn't think of it this way. So for the first argument was that the regulations didn't pose a burden on the industry, which funny thing is we talked, um, I'd say a few months ago about the new regulations that were proposed about the manufacturing side of things. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually referenced as a burden and the judge saw that as a burden because the FDA was saying that it's not a burden because it's it's just kind of business as usual but then now they're proposing new intrusive regulations that could really be a, a cost for the industry if the uh, premium cigars are in this category so that actually kind of benefited us that they proposed that when they did because that was referenced in this case and then one of their other arguments for public health was that as of it being vacated there's no federal restriction on purchasing premium cigars so if there's a state that said there's no age limit on premium cigars, then a one-year-old with their dad's money could come in and buy a cigar. So there's mm -hmm. no federal regulation, period, about cigars, like premium cigars right now, even age restrictions. And then, like, the rules where it's, like, reps come in here and you can't give free samples to customers and such. Like, unless there's a state law that says that, now they can do that because there's no federal regulation saying that they can't do those things. Um... And then they also, the only argument that, that had some merit was the false and misleading packaging because they said now that there's no regulations now, manufacturers can have false and misleading packaging. But again, through the FDA's facts that they put in the case, there's no evidence that that's even a fear because the FDA never said anything about them having a fear about misleading packaging. So that got shot down. And then obviously the, the burdensome litigation fees for um, user fees. But essentially the court shot it all down and they're like, so it got vacated in its entirety. So the FDA has to make a whole new regulation if they want to regulate premium cigars and it's got to go through the comment period and all that jazz. So they basically have to start from scratch if yep. they're going to do it again. Yep. yep. And chances are they're, you know, that's going to be a long, drawn out, expensive process. Correct. It could be. I mean, I, I was reading... Charlie, because I mean, Charlie's not an attorney, but he's mm -hmm. been doing 
been covering this, this stuff for, for a long for the time. Whole time. Yeah, he thinks that they could do it as early as 2024 if they wanted to, which the FDA really could because they have the thing that really bit them. So they had like the court recognized some of their arguments, but it's the fact that they didn't answer the comments to usage. I'll get the exact language on what they didn't answer to because that's fairly important. Uh, da, da. Um, yeah, so the failure to address was a question of whether premium cigar smokers use the product in a materially different way from non-premium smokers and whether those material differences might warrant a different regulatory um, speech. So the way the regulations worded out. Mm-hmm. And then the FDA ignored data. So th- th- that's really what bit them in the ass. So could they salvage some of the research they did and then just put effort towards that? They probably could. And that's why I think 2024, like Charlie's saying, they could propose something. But then one of the questions that Kaz gave me yesterday that because I had summer brain, I answered atrociously is if they can appeal and they can appeal. Um, so the FDA doesn't comment on whether litigation, so you're not going to find out if they're planning on appealing because I think it's already been asked. But if they appeal, when you do an appeal, like there's no longer a fact finder. So in this case here, they're still submitting facts about what's going on. So on an appeal, you have the record and then you have another judge looking at the facts that were already displayed and they just decide whether or not that judge rendered the right remedy for the party or whether one should be remedied at all. So I think even if there was a appeal, it's pretty black and white on record that the FDA violated the APA. So I, I don't even, I don't think the FDA would appeal unless they just want to prolong this thing. But even if they did, I, I don't think that would be anything. Um, There's no worrisome. benefit to them for that. Yeah. It'd be an uphill battle at best. Yep. So that's really what happened. So if anyone has any more questions on it, I, I, I did read into it. I think obviously a big topic would be if this is going to possibly benefit pipe tobacco. And then one of the things I had mentioned yesterday about um because i'll let you Kaz talk about the definition of um, pipe tobacco that the pca put out but before that like i was just thinking on my own like because the only thing that kind of gets left behind on this is flavored cigars and that's still a big part of the industry so like i was telling Kaz yesterday in germany um that what i would do with that definition is i would add it and then one of the things it says is no characterizing flavors other than tobacco i would have an exception to that that says, or characterizing flavors that are other than tobacco, not labeled on packaging. So you wouldn't have a cherry cigar. You would just have like... You would have a... For instance, like you have Java Red mm-hmm. and Java Mint. So Java Mint would be called Java Green. Yeah. You wouldn't have the flavor beyond the band. Yeah. So I think that would be something the FDA would be interested Because then again, marketing to children gets kind of thrown out. Because mm-hmm. through my reading on this, when it comes to the marketing to children... It doesn't. It doesn't. There doesn't have to be facts on whether children are actually buying the product. It's just whether, objectively looking at the packaging, you could distinguish that it was marketing the children. It, yeah. If there is no marketing to children, if children consume the product, it is not the fault of the manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could make the same argument uh, with, like, there are there are flavored vodkas out there, fruit flavors, marshmallow, and all that, and. Some of them have very, like, cartoony art, like, but the fact is, like, they're not explicitly marketing to children, but if a 19, 20-year-old 
manages to get it and drink it, it's not Smirnoff's fault. Like, because they're not targeting that audience. Mm -hmm. Right. And the the burden is then on of any basically anybody else but the manufacturer. The retailer who yeah. didn't card. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. why, like, I won't use names, but the only thing that I see being a problem is we definitely have to self-regulate, mm -hmm. like the pipe tobacco industry is doing. So, like, you know, not going to mention the name of the brand, but having, like, a Krampus. Is that the McDonald's character? Krampus? Krampus? Grimace. 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 So having a, a cigar, Dude, that was like Krampus Santa Claus. is the shadow of Saint Nick. Yeah, that's yeah. like Santa Claus. Oh, it, it's like Euro. Euro. That would be really sad. Right if Krampus. Yeah. That's like a, a grimace that's gone past so, the end. Like Krampus, day. Krampus doesn't give tobacco products to to bad children. He puts them in a sack and beats them with reeds <laughs> on yes. December fifth. So, point is though is yes. like, I I recently saw a cigar that has grimace as the band, and mm -hmm. that's kind of a like that. If I was yeah, that's the FDA. Like that's I'm gonna look at that because you have that that new drink from McDonald's or something. The Grimace, the Grimace shake. shake. The Grimace shake. So a lot of the younger generation is kind of the shake's a big deal. It's like that unicorn thing Starbucks did. Mm -hmm. So it's a current trendy thing for youth, and now you put a cigar out that has that symbol on it. So that would that, I wouldn't even I don't even think that this company would have an argument against it being marketed to the miners yeah even it's one of those things that even if that wasn't the intention it's like the um, it's so it's the nexus is so tight the, it's it's just the appearance of malfeasance is malfeasance in and of itself mm -hmm. like be more careful with that and like yeah exactly and the pipe tobacco uh industry and and not just cnd and stuff like generally as a whole has been really good at self-regulating for the most part and you're right like if you self-regulate you're not drawing attention because like you're if you're doing, if you're making every effort to do everything right and ethically and correctly, you're not going to draw the attention of outside powers. Mm -hmm. And then especially like to... if the FDA were to start regulating pipe tobacco tomorrow during that comment period, since you guys have been self-regulating and keeping data of how you're self-regulating, like the comments you can submit to them is going to be even harder than the premium cigars mm -hmm. were to answer because you have all this oomph behind you like, well... This isn't feasible for us because we've been doing something like this and it's been working just fine. So why is there this heightened thing? Like, show us what we're doing wrong to warrant this heightened scrutiny on how we're marketing. Mm -hmm. And then now they have to answer that. So it, the fact that you're self-regulating the way you are is if they do decide to regulate um, pipe tobacco, it's just going to be even better for you guys to yeah, actually. Yeah, and like, no, like, miners are not seeking out premium cigars. They're not smoking them. Even if, and I'm not saying this happens, but like they're not pursuing them, they're not buying them, but like even if the thought crosses their minds, when you get into pipe tobacco, like it's not that miners aren't seeking out buying it, like they're not even thinking about it. Nope. Right. Like it is, su pipe smoking as a whole is such a very, very, very I mean, small. We don't even have Popeye anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the uh, like, it's classic. I was, every Christmas, my, my grandmother read to me, uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Like, mm -hmm. I still have the book. And, like, the illustrations, like, St. Nick had a little clay pipe in his mouth, and, like, that was a line with the pipe, like, clenched mm -hmm. his teeth. And, like, modern versions that imagery is not there and they've even nope. omitted that line from that poem yep. it just has a piece of reed or something yeah and like on. really the Gosh. only the only like pop culture icon that it's still socially acceptable to depict them with a pipe 
is Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't think of anybody else where it's acceptable. Mm. And it's just because you can't have Holmes without a pipe. Like, it's so intrinsic to the imagery and the identity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 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 But True. they're even, like, they they never even reference it being tobacco. Like, right. long bottom oh, weed yeah. or the finest leaf in the South Farthing. Like, right. even then, like, they, there's kind of the impression that it's something that's only found in Middle Earth. Like, sure. That it's totally mm-hmm. a fantasy. And, yeah. Very, very interesting. So, um, we need to move along to our... We, I want to continue kind of the discussion here, but we kind of need to move along to the pipe. The pipe. So, what's what's the final thoughts here on the uh, um, Stillwell Star Holiday Y 2022, year 2022? Well, it's the best Stillwell Star, in my opinion. It's damn good. I'm a big fan of the English blend of the Stillwell Star, but this one, for me, is like, puts it a shame and nothing against any of the cigars me personally this is the one that i'm going to keep coming back to it's full of life full of flavor great with a bourbon mm-hmm. man jeremy bravo young man bravo thank you well you know i mean it's steve and, and steve if you're watching and, and, bravo. and steve and steve <laughs> yeah, bravo a, to you both a yeah. lot of people a lot of people put together their work to be able to create these yeah I mean, it's a damn good cigar. Damn mm-hmm. good cigar. Yeah, I think it is too. I think the I think the uh, the sweetness um, and the the sort of you know ever ever changing notes that you get from mm. the the sweeter range of the spectrum mm-hmm. they never overpower the the true cigariness of of yeah it's still there the smoke yeah um it's got nice depth it's got body it's got you know notes of of real tobacco forward chocolate mm-hmm. um cream notes and things yeah i think it's a i think it's a nice smoke and i think it goes beautifully with the the whiskey that y'all chose oh good yeah 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 i thought it was a very good pairing yes yeah. i think so too all right so for our pipe tobacco we're sticking with the 2022 theme yes we are and we are going for a blend that jeremy came up with a number of years ago you can't you, this was your baby right mm-hmm. carolina red flake was something that jeremy developed as a small batch you and go. um this is the 2022 release of that and one of the themes we've kind of come back to uh, over and over again on the show is how tobacco ages and how that changes things and mm. one of the things that i have repeatedly heard is that that first year of aging is the most noticeable difference you know as far as a year to year to year thing mm-hmm. you know the difference between when it came out and a year later you're going to notice the most changes and so um you want to talk a little bit about the Carolina Red Flake and what's in it and, and all that? And... Sure, absolutely. So this is made with uh, with Eastern North Carolina leaf uh, from, from uh, let's see, I can't remember the, the crop year that we did on this. We've done several different versions of this, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, that's right. So it was the tips um tips just the tips red orange <laughs> grade from uh just the tip from Damn. crop year 20. uh tips refers to the very utmost 
top portion of the plant and and they're left uh on the stock uh a little longer um and this this particular this particular uh crop had sort of a surprisingly high sugar content for an upper stock darker virginia uh leaf usually you see you know 10 to 10 to 11 percent sugar there and this actually had 13 almost 14 percent um which isn't very very high but in that grade that's a that's a uh, a percentage that is not often seen. not common i have a question just bef- not to cut you off because sure. i'm going to forget the question because you, you were saying like upper tip of virginia did virginia plants have different priming names than what we would say in like Cigar and cigars, tobacco. Yes, um, so they roughly correspond, but uh, uh, in U.S. stock positioning or or priming, um, you've got your lugs at the bottom, and then uh, the next quarter up is cutters, and then the next quarter up is what we just call leaf, and then you've got tips which is basically the the lejero very nice is that just because america had a different way of doing it or because i know like connecticut tobacco like they they had i think it was like what is it darks mediums like medium Mm. darks Mm -hmm. dark mediums like it was a different way of priming well it's a different it's different terminology but the positions on the stock are roughly the same Oh. Mm -hmm. oh my god this is so sweet so spicy mm. and oh it's so good i one thing regardless of a crop that is used with carolina red flake i've said over and over that there's like this rye breadiness mm-hmm. and mm. like orange but not like flesh or juice but like rind or peel or mm. zest like there's that bitter mm-hmm. element that's that pleasant yes essence of orange yes orange yep. oil yeah. and that that slight slight bitter bite that you get from it that that you like mm-hmm. um like Very i'm nice. a big fan of um like candied orange peel that's been mm-hmm. dipped in like mm-hmm. dark chocolate Ooh. like mm-hmm. take the chocolate away and like that that sort of thing that you get your pinky that, just stuck out when you said that Gonna say. With that really dry, dry <laughs> bread. There it is. Aspect. There it is. And I'm just gonna, the pinky. The rest nice. of the podcast. This is just nice. gonna be me. Wow. Right. <laughs> mm. Oh wow. Mm. That the flavor is so intense. So so nice. First first question here about do you notice what's the difference to you between this and what you actually released last year? Do you notice mm. a difference in, in what's happened? So I notice that the the spice element mm-hmm. has really toned down. Okay. Um, I also notice that while you've got that kind of rye bread element that that I've always noticed in Carolina Red Flake, uh, and you've got some of uh, some of that orange sort of essence that Kaz was just talking Especially about. Especially on the retro L. That there's also a darker fruit note. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be coming up and and you know we've talked about red wine before but it actually kind of is reminiscent of me to to that mm. this is my first time smoking uh this blend in some time i haven't smoked it since we put mm-hmm. out this this release last okay. year all right so uh 
yeah, that kind of that kind of jumps out to me as a difference. Um, I can begin to I can begin to see where this is where this is headed in terms of its its fermentation. Now, while you know the biggest difference happens over the course of that first year or so in in the tin, typically, um, that's not to say that it's gotten most of the way where it's right, where it's ultimately right. getting. It's just the biggest change happens earlier on in the process and each successive year offers more incremental uh changes but those over time can so like smoking this you know five years from now it would be very noticeable yes yes that's right 10 years from now very noticeable it's just that first year has the largest like dramatic change with Mm -hmm. a given year and then like you know the difference between when year one and year five is very dramatic but it took five years to get there Mm -hmm. right right Uh, so like I wasn't picking up that wine note until you mentioned it, and like yeah, like it's almost like that tartness that you'd get from like a Pinot, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, sweet with a tart note right behind mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and then as that sort of goes away, then you've got that like spicy rye element, and you've got yeah. the, mm-hmm. those orange notes sort of mm-hmm. spreading out, but there's a creaminess to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is. This is right in my wheelhouse. This is the Damn kind of, good. This is the kind this of pipe is, tobacco really that I regularly stuff. smoke. Mm. So, yep. I love Virginia's. Kind of jumping back to the to the FDA discussion. What what does that mean if anything for pipe tobacco? So, I think this remains really to be seen. Would you agree with that, Pat? That really the the ruling has not said anything about any realm of product outside of premium cigars. Yes, but I mean, I guess if I was hired like tomorrow from the pipe side of the industry to make an argument, I mm-hmm. think this fuels a lot of argument. Like, mm-hmm. like you look at one of the big distinguished, well, the, the thing that ultimately shot this down was the like the pat the habits of use and how the premium cigars are used differently than other tobacco. So I I think there's more so of an argument for pipe smoking than premium cigars when it comes to how they're used what did they talk about in terms of the the habits of use what did they list anything in particular there yeah so i'm digging deep for this one because this is i think the first time i was on the show we talked about this but it was the like ritual of cutting the cigar knowing how to light it because like you know as we know a lot of people don't know how to do either one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's you see it firsthand sometimes here mm-hmm. and then the purpose of smoking it so it's not inhaled and it's tasted like mm-hmm. the, the, those were the the main distinguishing factors from a premium cigar to other cigars or other tobaccos so to me like now I know for pipes, if you wanted to inhale pipe tobacco, you'd have a easier job doing so. But that wasn't like quoted for cigars, where it's dark tobacco leaf. You puke. It was um like the 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 inhaling. It, it was just it wasn't that you can't inhale it. It was just it's it, the purpose of smoking it is tasting. Right. So pipe Taste tobacco has that same argument. So mm-hmm. I think it benefits pipe tobacco again down the road if any regulation were to come out of the woodwork the same argument that threw it out for cigars throws it out for pipes but even stronger right and but... i think that uh i mean you talk about the ritual and everything that exists in pipes like pipes Way are more. even more protracted yep. forms of tobacco consumption than cigars are and premium cigars are far more protracted than say 
cigarettes or anything that's mass yeah. market mm -hmm. anything else yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> like, plus i think like if you were to regulate pipe tobacco i mean maybe i'm just kind of speaking like an idiot now but i feel like you would have to because when you buy a cigar you have the means to smoke it because i mean you can use your fingernail or your teeth to bite it off and just light it but with a with you if you're talking about solely pipe tobacco like you can't just buy that tin from someplace and just smoke it like you can't smoke the product on its own you need a tool you need a tool you need, you a, need a tool so that's a completely different fact pattern that mm. i think benefits pipes but i don't even know how that argument would be like how the fda would answer that. if that was a comment i don't know how they would answer that because you you have to have a tool mm -hmm. i mean the you can probably speak more to this, Jeremy, because like I know what, from my vantage point, being in the industry, what I've seen and heard, and what uh, independent carvers have said and things. But like there was an effort by the FDA to try to regulate. I, I mean, they. I think they would say, and certainly we would say, we are currently regulated, mm -hmm. and so are so are pipes yeah like they've visited like not just factories but like independent artists and carvers like mm -hmm. have had their workshops visited by fda agents mm -hmm. like in their homes yeah this is not a this and, is not a theoretical thing this is a currently implemented on everything and, we do it has to take into account the regulations as they currently are and this is anecdotal but every time i've heard of that happening the carver has said to us like yeah they were very clear by their behavior and how they acted, they were out of their depth and like they didn't quite understand the product or even understand like why this like how this product could be regulated. Mm -hmm. It's wood and rubber or like if you have silver and like how do you mm -hmm. how do you it's regulate like, this? That's why I think you would have to regulate the. It'd be like the, the, the USDA trying to regulate forks. Well, like, yeah. How but, do you how right. do you do that? Mm. But it, it so that's you know, that, that's one of the things that I. Like, so, again, to answer the question, I think it does benefit. Because then there's just a lot of other nuances of pipe smoking that would derive from the argument that cigars made with habits of use and how they're different than other tobacco products. I think yeah. pipe smoking is more different than it all is. tobacco yeah. products. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. you, you've seen it, Kaz. You know, my wife, she drives it standard, and she's very proud of it. She has a bumper sticker on the back of her car that says, you can't steal what you can't drive with the, the, you know, the, all the different gear shifts there. And, and there's a lot of truth to that, that, and not that my wife doesn't lock her car. She does. Believe me, I know I've had to call AAA and have it opened enough, but, <laughs> but, you know, the argument with, you know, you know, to, with pipes to me is there's so much more that you have to do for this. Mm. And if you're saying, well, we don't want our youth to get into pipes. Well, they're not gonna. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not a big. You know? I mean, you <laughs> have is, to... if they're gonna do something, it's going to be easier than this. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. smoking, I mean, so there are skills, it's not learned skills required to smoke a cigar. And I, but to smoke a pipe, like there are real skills that take time and effort. You have to really want to smoke a pipe in the beginning. I, right. I always equate right. it to riding a bicycle, mm -hmm. like. 
how many times did we fall and scrape our knees and yeah. hit our heads learning to mm. ride a bike before Plenty. we got it? And I've mm. often equated, you know, the whole cigar pipe thing to, you know, c- cigars are like driving an automatic. Mm-hmm. And pipe smoking is like driving a standard. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's more work to it. But if you take the time to do that, you know, driving a standard, I know how to drive a standard. It's second I, nature. I enjoy driving a standard. I enjoy the the feel of it and the doing of it. And, yes, there are times when you're in a traffic and you're going uphill and you have to keep everything, you know. But it's it's an enjoyable thing. And having that much control over things you know, can be very, very good. It's and rewarding so, too, because and, you have that much control. Right. Mm. And so with, but, with, with a pipe, you, you do have that, you know, you're controlling what you're smoking, what flavors you're getting. You, you know, decide what goes into the pipe. You can mix your own stuff. Do you like a, a tighter draw, looser draw? Mm-hmm. Do you want it to last 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? You have all that control, which you mm-hmm. do not have with a cigar. With a cigar, you take somebody's finished piece of work, you light it up, and you enjoy it for what it is. Yep. That's it. Yeah. But with a pipe, you're taking somebody's finished work, and then you take that and put it into something yourself. You're adding your own personal taste personal taste and taste and touch to what you're doing, making your own thing. And so it's it's like more like it's you're like more, regulating a paintbrush. You're more you're more involved. <laughs> you're more involved with it. You know. You know, and yeah. that's not something I I, I have. I have not, I, not only have I not really seen underage people intentionally coming to try and skeeve their way into a cigar, but I have never, ever seen somebody, even, even a, a sting operation from, from the local FDA, come up with a, a tin of pipe tobacco. And if they did, or, it would be immediately suspect, like... Yeah. yeah, that's why if I, I mean, if I had to predict if the FDA would ever regulate pipe tobacco, it would be good news for pipe. I feel like it, that would mean that pipe tobacco has grown so much culturally where a lot more people are doing it to where now the FDA is like, okay, now, yeah. now we because like right now, if you were to try to do a regulation, like if they're going to get data on habits of use and who are they going to pool for that and i'm not saying this would necessarily like the pipe happen club, you're going to have the fda coming and dan's going to be doing a pipe club but when oh, you yeah. look at what happened that to, to like whiskey in the u.s before there were any regulations when they applied regulations to uh whiskey and alcohol because like there were no regulations people were cutting corners people were buying whiskey from a store we're not talking like bathtub gin and like going blind or mm-hmm. like regulation <laughs> can raise overall quality mm-hmm. yep. and like once you set a standard for something you're going to have a lot of the substandard product go away or raise their quality and mm-hmm. going back yeah. to what you're saying like you have to like you have that much control and like yeah. having to to learn to drive a standard mm-hmm. and then there's like that joy in doing it uh once you get there because I, I feel like I made it sound like this really difficult, arduous process. Like, it's the, the, the initial learning. But even though there is more effort initially involved with learning and there is more, like, moving parts, I don't have any more active or conscious thought when smoking mm-hmm. a pipe than I do a cigar. No, like you neither. Once you, like, get, get your head around it, mm-hmm. like, you don't do any of it consciously. You just mm-hmm. do it. 
-hmm. It's like once you become proficient with smoking a cigar, you're not looking for just the right spot on the cap to clip and making sure you're toasting even. Like you're talking to someone hardly looking and you're doing it. That's right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. even like like one of the things I think about is like the, 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 the whatever is going on with the um the spending for the FDA right now where it was proposed um not touching flavored cigars or setting nicotine limits for cigars so i wonder since that's all under the umbrella of tobacco i think it would be different categories for different types of products but since obviously there's, there's a lot more nicotine in a cigar than pipe tobacco but you just don't usually yeah so when it comes to pipe tobacco like is there a set limit that you guys self-regulate when it comes to nicotine content or is it just kind of you guys like a, a pipe tobacco blend just won't go into like a high nicotine content no i mean there's certainly, you certainly can i mean there are a number of really, blends really I'm thinking of that I've never had a cigar that strength. Like mm -hmm. the last time I was on, it was March. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about the Gay with Hogarth rope tobacco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I and one of my personal favorite tobaccos is 1792 flake. Mm -hmm. Those two tobaccos are those. The ropes are a few different blends, but those tobaccos I have never smoked a single cigar that came close to the nicotine of one bowl of those tobaccos. Yeah. Mm. And that's what like you have so much history and like cultural variations in pipe tobacco where like these tobaccos started in uh Britain in the seventeen and eighteen hundreds, but then you have like these aromatics that became popular in the sixties and seventies out of Denmark, and you have like even back to England, like what people commonly call English mixtures, but they're more like London-style mixtures that incorporate a lot of uh, Turkish varieties and Latakia. Like, people think they're really strong because of that smoky nature. Right. English blends have virtually very little nicotine in them. Mm -hmm. it, it's about flavor and boldness. So you have so many geographical and time periods being pulled from mm. for pipe tobacco and you also have various, many, many varied curing methods from pressure fermentation, smoke curing, air curing, sun curing, that largely can impact nicotine content. Whereas with very little variance, all cigar tobacco is dark air cured or like, air cured to some degree. Okay. Like you don't have flu cured cigar tobacco. And so there's more, even though you have geographical and like fermentation periods that can impact flavor before you get to the blend impacting flavor you're in a much narrow family or much like vein whereas pipe tobacco is massive in variances mm -hmm. so i'm going to bring us so off topic as you mentioned something that just kind of mm -hmm. got my gears going so when i was at the um <laughs> The barn smoke I went to, Pedro was talking to us because, I mean, you're in Connecticut, you see the tobacco fields. Mm -hmm. And, like, one of the things I always thought to myself, like, before going was, like, at, at least, like, my layman's view of tobacco is, like, in America, it was, like, a huge part of our early agriculture mm -hmm. to get us to be, like, you know, what we are today. And he actually, when we were there, was talking to us about, he forgot the guy's name, but it's John something. It was, like, History Channel segment for tobacco. Roth. I think so. Virginia, St. James? Uh, so what was smoked in the, the colonies no, originally it's... was wild tobacco, but what he brought seeds from Trinidad and grew them. And then grew them in Virginia. And that's the only reason mm -hmm. Jamestown Colony survived. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then so, and then it, he was just saying, like, it started from, like, a few lots of tobacco to hundreds of lots of thousands. And then, like, that, when we started, 
exporting tobacco is when, like, you know, like in the winters, like our mortality rates were lowering because people had, we were getting the resources now because mm -hmm. we were, so I just look, and they called it green gold is what they were calling mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just like look at like today where like this big pillar of our agricultural history and like what really built this country is just so scrutinized amongst everyone. So mm -hmm. like to add to that, Jamestown was not the first British colony. There were many failed ones before because it was yes they were not viable. Mm -hmm. It was in 1604, I think, around that time. 1604. It was it was in the 17th century for sure. I think it was six. six he said he. I mean, he, he Pedro could have been wrong. 17th but... century is 1600s. Yes, I mean 1604 five. That sounds right. To yeah. Me. So like, that's the only reason Jamestown survived, and like there were they were able to expand colonization. Uh, at which eventually became like the original 13 colonies. Mm -hmm. But added to that, it, it was not only so important in Britain getting a foothold here and surviving with their colonies, but George Washington even sent a letter to the Continental Congress, send money because we're, they're getting ready for the revolution. Like the, our independence was they needed money. He said, if you can't send money, send tobacco, because it was just as good as money. And so there's... Sounds like a letter from a college kid. <laughs> yeah, like, send beer money or send beer. <laughs> but that was like, but he was serious. He's like, send money, and if you can't send money, send tobacco. It was just as good. And so not only with, like, establishing the the very beginning, like, the fact that we were able to fund a revolution and able to gain independence and get a foothold as an independent nation can be like tied directly to tobacco. Mm -hmm. And now you say that like I went, when I, one of my DC mm. visits before COVID, I went to, I forget what they call the actual estate, but it was George Washington's house. Is it? Special? Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. Yeah. If you go into his, what would be considered his living room, the wooden borders in the ceiling Man is like cave. all the agriculture and it has like corn there's tobacco leaves like it's it's mm. it's, it's it's like such a deep rooted thing mm. in american history it mm. just like it just boggles my mind that it's it's like getting killed you know like it's mm. like even like we were talking like, there's only a few um cigar like, tobacco growers that grow like connecticut shade now it's all in ecuador because the the, the cost of labor to tie the cheesecloth to do the prime it's, it's too much money so it's like and there's only a couple cigars i can think of on the market that use like a true connecticut and yeah. then the reason why like connecticut broadleaf prospers so much is because they stock cut it so it's like it's mm -hmm. the, the you know the labor is mm -hmm. dwindled down it's still very tedious hard stuff like completely you know but when it comes to like how they do other types of tobacco like that's why broadleaf is like literally american tobacco because it's just the cost of you see it in a lot of varieties used for um pipe tobacco production in the united states too you were just talking about burley like mm -hmm. there's tons less grown every year mm -hmm. and it's that's Mil a labor-intensive process too yeah millions of pounds fewer grown every year and then you guys probably import them right like from different I, we do, but, um, so for Burley, the, our primary sources for Burley are U.S. still. Um, it's just tougher and tougher to get all the time. It's competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, what are you guys thinking about the, the Woodford with the red flake? 
it totally transformed the way that I feel like this tobacco tastes, but I also feel like the tobacco had a real effect on the way that I'm tasting the whiskey. Mm -hmm. Mm. It was a very different effect yes. than from the cigar, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I notice a lot less of the sweetness mm -hmm. of the whiskey mm -hmm. uh, because by comparison to the cigar, I felt like the whiskey was sweeter. Mm -hmm. By comparison to the tobacco, I don't feel that way. It's drier, and instead of like that Luxardo cherry note, mm -hmm. I'm getting something like um, it's a flavor I'm familiar with, but I can't quite identify it. But the closest thing that's coming to mind that I can relate to is like uh, a dried cranberry. Mm -hmm. Okay, but slightly more bitter than that, and I'm. I've had this. I, I'm thinking of it, but I can't think of, like, what is that flavor? But it, there is this, like, bitter fruit note. Okay. That's not citrus. That's not, yeah. I'm picking up picking up a lot more of the woody character. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, it gets much more woody to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whereas before I was picking up the sweetness and the spiciness, yep. I'm getting a lot more of the charred notes mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot more of just the, the wood itself. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what, you know, the tin says you use top-tier Virginias. Correct. What does that mean? What, what qualifies the tobacco to be in a blend like Carolina Red Flag? Sure. Um, so part of that is, is primings and gradings, um, but part of that is our own internal assessment of, mm -hmm. of tobacco. And, and I'm looking for something that is uh, not just visually beautiful, but something that is uh, consistent through the lot. Uh, color, uh, leaf size, um, and, and overall, overall complexity of flavor. Um, so usually with grading with tobacco, I mean, there's an element of it that is just sort of spreadsheety. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of things that like, you can't tell without just it's a mix of science and art flavor assessment. You, yeah. you were mentioning a red that I believe is incorporated in the next small batch that's coming out for consumers next week. It's yeah, a brand new blend. That, Steamworks, try it. But it's Georgian leaf. Yeah. Where it has, um, Correct me here if I'm wrong, but it has a lower sugar percentage than another red in the blend, mm -hmm. but it tastes sweeter on the palate. Yeah, there's just something about the uh, the chemical structure of this leaf, and I don't really, I don't even really know how to account for it. To me, it's just like what is magic. Uh, so we have we have uh, a Canadian bright leaf that that we commonly use that can range uh, in, in sugar content. We've had at the highest that, that CND has been able to source 28% mm. of the weight of this tobacco is reducing sugar. Uh, currently what we're using sits right around 25%, um, but roughly the same grade year on year, you just crop differences. Mm. Um, and so there's a, a leaf that, was grown in Georgia, uh, sort of a red orange leaf grown in Georgia that is in this this blend Steamworks that's coming up, that has seventeen percent sugar, which is a that's a damn sight lower than twenty five, mm -hmm. but smoking it, it seems like almost Splenda 
levels of sweetness. Wow. Like it's very, very pleasant to smoke, but not in a, I wouldn't ever smoke a large bowl of it because it's actually so intensely sweet on its own that it kind of gets to a point of being too much. It kind of mm. gets to a point of being cloying. And... Diabetes. <laughs> Diabetes. 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 So, you know, I don't know how to account for that. Looking at it on paper, you would expect that the 25% bright would be much sweeter, mm. uh, would come across as being much sweeter mm. than the, the Georgian with 17% sugar. Mm. Um, but some somehow that 17% comes out much, much palpably more sweet. And mm. I just completely guessing ignorant like ballpark like i'm wondering if it's something like with minerality in the soil there because like sure if you throw a little this is a southern thing don't knock it till you try it putting a little salt on your fresh watermelon makes it sweeter sure or As, putting a little salt in your brownies yes mm -hmm. and mm. i'm wondering if there's just something like with the soil because you see that largely impact cigars wine quality yes. grapes mm -hmm. like if there's something there that's not in the Carolinas or Virginia or Canada mm -hmm. that that allows that sugar content modest as it is to really pop. Sure. Yeah. And certainly possible. This came this came from one particular farm. Mm. Um, I do know that. And so it could also be a, a characteristic of the particular soil on that particular plot of land. Mm. Um, or even the weather that crop year because like mm -hmm. uh vintners like they they prefer dry years because they say that the grapes need to suffer a little bit because if there's a lot of rain mm. it's not as rich it's not as sweet like mm. you need just enough rain to keep these grapes from like spoiling or dying because mm. it concentrates that intensity and maybe it 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 could be a factor of all these things but it could have just been the annual rainfall mm -hmm. it could have been now with uh with sugar and nicotine in virginia's those uh are, are sort of not exactly perfect, but they're sort of a counterbalance to one mm -hmm. another. Right. And in tobacco, you expect that you'll see higher sugar content in uh, wetter years mm -hmm. and higher nicotine in drier years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. But nicotine, if you think about the function that nicotine serves, it's a, it's a, a protection mm -hmm. to the seeds. Mm. Uh, it's a plant. natural pesticide, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Really? So That's interesting. It Nicotine saturates the plant as it begins to develop flowers. And so if you're trying to preserve nicotine in the plant, you want to wait until it develops flower, but you don't want it to go to seed. Oh. If it goes to seed, all those sugars go. All the, the nicotine. Yeah. Nic all sorry, the, all the nicotine to, to protect, ends up yeah. basically just being a coating on the seeds. Oh wow! Um, so to preserve nicotine in the plant, you want to first have the flower so that nicotine has begun to saturate, and then you want to cut the flower off so that nicotine has nowhere to go. Oh, um, but nice. if you if you allow it to run its course, all that nicotine or the vast majority of it will end up basically just as a coating on the seeds mm -hmm. so that uh, birds come eat the seeds and their bodies reject the nicotine coating it and so that will it will then survive in its droppings and Replant. pass on yeah yep. pass on become a new a new tobacco plant so in drier years 
there's more nicotine produced mm-hmm. because the plant is like, all right, well, I'm probably not going to make it. Mm-hmm. So I need to work harder to try and to try and just reproduce mm. um, and and protect the next the next generation. Whereas in wetter years, uh, the They're purpose thriving. that the sugar serves is as uh, an internal sort of energy source to be able to uh, seek out nutrients in the sandier soil that Virginia tobacco grows on. Mm-hmm. So in wetter years, those nutrients are drawn to the plant more easily. Mm. So it has more excess sugar. So that sugar ends up being a part of the chemistry of the plant itself, rather than being burned off, developing energy wow. or, or creating energy. Yeah, yeah. Nicotine is like in, like, I know eggplant has it. There's a lot of things that we eat yeah. that produce Tomatoes nicotine for, yep. yeah, for that reason. Yeah. I, I really want to like have a t-shirt made or something with like a nicotine warning label on a on a eggplant. stack of tomatoes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Be, Warning: This product contains nicotine tobacco, with an yeah. eggplant emoji. Right? <laughs> oh boy! I'll get over well. I'll buy ten of those, please. Well, what's our final thoughts here on the uh, Carolina Red Flake? Hallelujah! I love my Carolinas. I love. Oh, I, I mean, love, oh, it's so delicious. Good. I don't remember it being this intense though when mm-hmm. I first mm. hit the tin it's when we first got good. it. I mean, the aging just one year is completely changed it. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Out of all of them, I mean, they're all fantastic. That was probably the least one that I'd pick up. It would be the other ones, mm-hmm. but I mean, with a year on it, wow, has it changed? And can mm. we say like all this complexity? This isn't a blend. Like, th- you, this is, like, you found this phenomenal leaf <clears throat> and wanted to do something with it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is very rare, almost unheard of, to have this level of complexity and nuance mm-hmm. in a single variety. Like, that's how rare it is. And wow. how, like, speaking of top tier, like. Yeah. yeah. Damn. The the grade that uh, started off Carolina Red Flake was... Uh, L2DH L2DH 15 or what the heck it had a 15 yeah it was 15 sounds like a prescription Um, so (laughs) uh, it's uh, leaf uh, second second quality second quality because it had some other color variations in the lot Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know people people think of grading and it's like you know good bad mm-hmm. you know or like you know better or worse whatever but that's it's more uh a descriptor of the qualities mm-hmm. of a particular lot okay you can have tobacco. something too pure yeah like i like grade b maple syrup better than grade a mm. and like because you that's have a little thing. bit more complexity and nuance mm. and well it's hard you can't find it in like a grocery store supermarket because nobody wants something <laughs> called grade b <clears throat> and like to me it tastes better mm-hmm. like you can have something that is so a lot of people don't realize like when you buy like pure 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 vanilla extract it's good quality it's well made but it's it's a different kind of flavor. it's it's, it's mon- so, monotonous yeah, like yeah. it's so, there's no complexity there nothing so interesting. Refined. yes and you need a little bit of something there to make it pop make it interesting make it good mm-hmm. and yeah yep so this was a this was a grade that I was actually not I was 
asking uh, a leaf purveyor for samples because we had a, uh, a red Virginia grade that's sort of our, you know, our standard red Virginia that we use in most of our blends mm -hmm. that was, uh, we had about a year left supply. And so I needed to start sourcing something to replace it to begin working in uh, so that we could continue to make all of the blends that, that we do. Um, and, and keep those things consistent. And so I got uh, several samples. I think we had 10 or 12 samples from them. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them was this, uh, you know, this five pound, you know, sort of slab of leaf mm -hmm. grid L2DH. And uh, the second that I tasted it, I was like, all right, well, this is not the grid I'm looking for, but I was blown away by the uniqueness of the flavor profile i was blown away by the sweetness and i was blown away by this particular note of rye bread mm. um and and i just was like you know all right well this isn't what i'm looking for to replace our our mainstay red virginia mm -hmm. but this is definitely something that i'm looking for to do something with and that that ended up being the first carolina red flake mm. um so as we've as we've continued to produce this, it's been a different grade, um, nearly each time. Mm. Uh, at this point, we were able to produce two runs of L2DH, and then we switched uh, to a new grade that was very very similar. And then after that, we started branching out a little more. This is the most dramatic branching out of of any of the the grade variations that we've mm. used for Carolina Red Flake. Now you you said earlier in the show that you're you're doing a Carolina Red Flake with Perig again this year. That's correct. What's the rationale for switching? You know, between those releases, is it just it is it, it does it have to do with what's available, or what's the rationale for it? I won't I won't try and guess. Sure, um, pretty much it's just that uh, you know we we kind of are are shifting to specking out. Our, our release schedule mm -hmm. earlier in the years. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, you know, we did Carolina Red Flake last year and we have enough small batch uh, blends to be able to sort of have a, a cycle through. So we're okay. not coming back year after year with something. Part of it mm -hmm. is, uh, part of it means that we're not trying to source the same style of tobaccos over and over and over mm -hmm. again um but part of it is just to provide people with some variation and, and sure. something different in the market mm. um rather than just offering the same things over and over and over again. and honestly that makes it even more special because it's not right. like oh uh it's getting this time this year so get ready for like right it's it's dictated not only by the, the selection and trying to keep things special and and uh enjoyable but also it's it's dictated by availability like if mm -hmm. you come through and it's like you know what this is a really good virginia but i don't think this is like to the standard we've set for carolina red flake mm -hmm. so we'll do something with this over here but this year like we have got this exceptional sun bear honey mm -hmm. let's do something special with it mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like going to like one of those really nice like farm to table restaurants that like you're not going to get like your your side vegetable with your your entree is not going to be out of season it's not something that came from across right. the country or it's like what is in season in this area mm -hmm. yeah. and like i think that has a that way of thinking does get incorporated in mm -hmm. in the small batch. absolutely yeah mm -hmm. 
Well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. So glad you're here. So glad you took the time to be on the podcast. Absolutely. With us. Oh, it's great pleasure. to have you here. Thank you. And I understand you're you're coming back next year for another yes. day here. I believe so. Dinner with you. We didn't even talk about that. We, we had, you know, Jeremy was here for our, our big uh, August Pipe Club event, um, Savinelli and, and Peterson Pipe Show and tequila with Jeremy. Uh, that was fantastic. And then the dinner, which was sold out, uh, which did really, really well. The food was phenomenal. It was so good. That was that shout was, out Edgar. Yeah, Edgar did such a great job. He cooking, really did. The, the food kebabs. quality, like I've I've said, like I've gone to places, and without the amazing like tobacco demonstration and that educational thing, and without the beverage pairings, because there were beverage pairings with each course, mm-hmm. I have gone to restaurants, not including the beverage pairings, done like four course dinners, mm-hmm. and there is no way I've ever gotten a meal of that quality for what a ticket to one of these dinners cost mm-hmm. and that's not including the beverage pairings and like jeremy talking about the tobacco and you getting the free tobacco pairings like it it's and everyone left with a tin of dexter secret yeah mm-hmm. you know, the english blend of a uh, of briary blends not yeah. to mention just the lovely weather that we had yeah and the mm-hmm. beautiful view from the deck mm-hmm. and, and that was great company it's and... i know we talked about it before but it's just so funny how all of our outdoor cigar events have had to come inside because of weather and the two outdoor pipe events we had planned had perfect weather outside on the deck that tells just you something. kind of just kind of <laughs> funny just kind of funny but pastor uh, dave dave didn't give me the moniker of, of warlock for nothing man no, <laughs> no. no. but uh, thank you so much for being here we're looking forward to having you back and hopefully it's sooner than next august We'd love to have you back sooner than that. Oh, he's he's caught the sickness that I have that where it's like it's a struggle to go to the airport when it's time to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being with us, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we're looking forward to seeing you again next week. And that's not just blowing smoke. Stay smoky, my friends. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at notjustblowingsmoke. Thanks for listening, everybody, and that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down, smoking on a fat cigar.